0: blood brothers and sanguine sisters to deeply discussing dexter season two episode seven that night forest crew i'm your host dale maxfield i'm joined by aaron caldwell hello brooke merritt hello and zach roland hello and on today's episode uh we get into um even more trouble with lila some developments in the bay harbor butcher case uh a bit of a confrontation, to put it mildly, between Dexter and Dokes, um, and uh some developments with Deb and Agent Lundy. What'd you guys think of this episode overall?
1: I really enjoyed this episode. Um it really drives home that Lila's the worst. Um, uh, but we will get to that.
0: Oh yeah, she's the worst. <laughs>
2: I mostly hated this episode. This is probably one of my least favorites so far.
0: Why? Why so? Probably,
2: probably because Lila is the worst. It's very Lila mm. heavy, and she's so just the worst, and not in an enjoyable way. She's just the worst.
0: Now I don't remember. Were you were you a uh, an always hater of Lila, or was that something that is is new to you on rewatching it?
2: I didn't like Lila. I didn't hate her as much as I do on rewatch.
0: Mm. Okay.
2: I just hate anything to do with Lila right now. (laughs) But particularly this episode. I just, this episode just did not, no. Too much Lila and really nothing good about Lila.
3: Uh, I was 100% Lila all the way. And so this episode was great (laughs) for me because um, I was just you know'm I'm, st- I'm still there I'm still rooting for her I hope she makes it out okay I really I don't remember <laughs> what, I don't remember what happens to her so there's a lot of foreboding moments uh, in this episode so I-, I hope she makes it out I thought this episode was fine it, nothing to, to write home about but good enough yeah
2: I knew from the opening scene that I was going to hate it and that Zach was going to love it. <laughs>
3: I'm basically becoming the Masuka of this podcast.
2: (laughs) We needed a Masuka. It's fine. Somebody has to be the Masuka. We're going to start a podcast. I I invited you in for a reason.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Dale. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, there's there's the Lila Deb and Dexter plotline, which is how the episode starts. We hear what sounds like Lila giving an art lesson, but it's really her directing Dexter on how to give her La Passion. Uh, then Lila wants to reciprocate. Dexter's not really interested, but he finally agrees to do it in some kind of rough, murderous way, um, which Lila doesn't really know what she's asking for, but he tries to comply anyway. Um, as Dexter is leaving, Lila breaks the landlord's light bulb, so she'll have to fix both of them. Cause her light bulb was out. Just more super fun manipulation times with Lila. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's her uh, her
3: best part of her personality is is the way that she's able to get people to do things that she wants by c- causing chaos. So you know, that's I, I've... <laughs> you
2: know, <laughs> quit defending Lila, Zach. <laughs>
1: I, I feel it's like horrible. all these red flags, you know, her her running over things to steal it for art supplies, or breaking her landlord's light bulb. You know, for somebody like Dexter who who has such a secret life, this is going to attract a lot of attention his way. It just it, it really seems out of sorts for the character.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just. I mean. I don't want to sound like a misogynist or anything, but my favorite Lila is when she's not saying anything and not wearing any clothes. <laughs> well,
2: that doesn't sound misogynistic at all. No, that's
0: that's that's the best. I like best. women
2: naked and quiet. There's yeah. nothing misogynistic yeah. about that.
0: That's her at her best, I think. Um, so. Deb wakes up and teases Dexter about how loud Deb is during sex. She asks what kind of noises Rita makes, and Dexter reveals that he and Rita broke up for good. Um, what a conversation to have with your brother. And then Lila calls Dexter. She sold her hideous artwork and wants to celebrate. She talks her way into a busy restaurant with a phony 10th wedding anniversary story. Lila and Dexter talk about how well Dexter is doing. He hasn't felt the need to use in quite a while. She says they found the substitute. It's life. And the restaurant gives him a complimentary bottle of champagne. And despite both of them being in recovery, Lila says it's okay to use the champagne because she's horrible. I mean, she's using her powers for good, you know.
2: <laughs> for what good? What they could, good are these they powers being used for? They
3: couldn't get in, into the restaurant, you know. She's clearly she's had that reservation booked for you know so long, and and what a great story, ten year anniversary. I mean, you know, I would be impressed. I I feel like hey, if she knows how to work it, you know, and she got free bubbly out of it. I don't know. That's a great time for you, me. I, I'm in. <laughs> but they're
2: but in they're recovery. in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: this this seems counterproductive at at its best.
2: And she started out as his sponsor. She's so good at that.
3: Hey, listen. Yeah. If somebody gives me something for free, I don't care what it is. I'm probably going to go for it. Cause why not? I'm going to put it in my
0: mouth. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I'm going to put it in my mouth. Here, here's some meth, Zach. I
2: was going to say, she, he's yeah. supposedly in recovery for heroin addiction, even though he's not really. But oh, maybe he would become a heroin addict. Here you go, free. Free heroin.
0: Yeah, and she's supposedly in in recovery for meth addiction, and yet she has completely perfect teeth. So I'm not sure how that worked out either. A
2: yeah, perfect skin, perfect teeth.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: She I think a good they're.
3: Meth. I think they're both in in people addiction. Like they're just addicted to people, but in different ways. She likes to fuck them. He likes to kill them. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. She's she's Marla Singer from Fight Club. She just she just
1: trolls her covering groups.
0: That's awesome. Um, Deb gets home and sees Lila walk out to the fridge topless. Deb says, who the fuck are you? And Lila says, oh, pardon my tits. Deb says to Dexter, who's the skank? She notices all the candles and says, are you trying to fuck her or set her on fire? Deb is really disappointed in Dexter uh, because... It hasn't even been 24 hours since Deb found out that he and Rita broke up, and he's got the worst human being on the planet <laughs> in bed with him.
1: Come on now. Pardon my tits is a great lie. <laughs> like, to her credit, that's perfect. It, it yeah. perfectly encompassed her character. It was just everything. Everything that you ever needed to know. Yeah, right
0: it's, it's very polite.
3: Yeah. I mean, and also, is she the worst person to have in bed? Because I feel like the ice truck killer might have been the worst person to have in bed. I'm just saying, Deb, that's a double standard, you know? <laughs>
2: Man, anything to defend Lila, even going after <laughs> Deb for dating the ice truck killer, you have no mercy when it comes to defending this woman, who is horrible. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i don't know this season is turning me around i don't know who i'm there's a there's a dark passenger inside now and you guys better be ready for the ride
2: (laughs) zach is ruined
0: (laughs) dexter and lila go for a walk near dexter's apartment dexter's worried about having lost his relationship with rita lila asks if rita and the kids were really helping him or if they were making him feel like a monster then Lila wants to have sex immediately, so Dexter breaks into an empty house. Lila comes out of the bathroom wearing a robe that she stole from the br- house that they broke into and says, "Look, I'm some old bitch."
1: Again, again, this seems like Dexter is just continues to make bad decisions because of this one person. Like, you you work for the cops, man. Yeah, they're the worst cops in the history of ever. <laughs> But <laughs> you work for the cops and you're breaking into houses.
0: Yeah, Miami Metro would hire Lila at this point, like in any capacity that she has to be hired in, because that's how bad they are. And and yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we could just call it an episode and just say Lila's the worst, because that's pretty much <laughs> pretty much the 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 crux of this whole thing.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that would have been a better title.
0: uh, She's definitely the worst
3: person to take stabs at, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I was just trying to agree with you guys on something, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm some old bitch.
2: (laughs) She's the worst.
0: Um, Lila's buyer gives her a check for $15,000 for her horrible, horrible art.
1: And tells her it's going to, like, set the world on fire.
0: Yeah, which she proceeds to take literally and set it on fire. Um, the artwork melts and improves quite a bit. Dexter is along for ice cream uh, at Cody's like, whatever, his uh, presentation. But he has to leave when Lila calls him and tells him about the fire. There are firefighters on the scene when Dexter arrives at Lila's apartment. She tells him it was a blowtorch accident and she begs him not to go anywhere he can sense, and the audience sees her smile in triumph, and he looks over her shoulder and notices that the light bulb has been replaced and reminds him of how manipulative she is.
2: Can we talk about the fact that the Miami Fire Department is obviously just as bad as Miami Metro? <laughs> they're sitting there. They just put the fire out. They're just going to hang out. Dexter's just going to walk right in. They're, mm-hmm. they're just going to let people just hang out in this place that just burned up.
3: Yeah yeah also who play- pays that much for art that's not like well known art like that's just such a ridiculous amount of money Like, I mean the sculpture it, it, I can't even remember what it was its or what it was made out of because it was just so awful I will say this her art is awful uh, that's the one thing I will say about Lila yeah, it,
0: it, <laughs> Dexter was calling it the cannibals it was like a bunch of mannequins like eating each other and they had a bunch of stuff like spot welded to them
2: well, her explanation of the meaning behind it how we all eat each other oh uh, god it just made her even more of the worst and she was already the worst
0: I also got the impression that the buyer was like a gallery person who for some reason instead of showing her work which is how galleries normally operate was buying it to resell at her gallery With, like that's just not how that's done like it's not it's not eBay people don't buy cheap and sell high they they put something up at the gallery and they list it at a price and if it doesn't sell, the artist gets it back and that's that's the end of it. but they were taking the that that horrible piece of crap up to New York, you know fifteen thousand dollars plus shipping of that thing, and then they're gonna ask somebody in New York to buy it. I don't know. didn't make any sense to me.
2: So you're saying that the people behind the show Dexter didn't do their research on the uh, art dealing world either?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I just don't know. I think, I guess They're that's... so good at research. I guess that's how some people think it works, but...
1: I didn't even question that scene outside of the <laughs> amount of money. <laughs> I like, think I never even thought about it that way. I was just like, why? Why would anybody give her money for this?
0: Yeah
2: glue a few mannequins together and you've got art
3: there you go so the so the base Oh, the i was gonna say the writers were essentially like okay guys we're gonna lay in a lot of like fire stuff in this episode because there's gonna be a fire at the end but does anybody know how art works no cool well we'll just write it in (laughs) and hopefully nobody sees it
0: (laughs) yeah they
2: don't know how police work works either so i guess you know
0: um so that brings us to uh, Rita's mom, who's still hanging on. Uh, she rouses Rita out of bed, says that Rita's been moping around since she and Dexter broke up. Then Rita's mom is slave driving, asked her to do schoolwork, and Cody to work on his presentation on Saudi Arabia, in which he's doing Cody season one style <laughs> in that scene. Uh, in she his sen-
2: defense, grandma was really putting a lot of pressure on him. no it was perfect (laughs) yeah
0: he's he's like doing the worst possible presentation um and then she sends the kids to bed as soon as rita gets home yeah
3: he's right up there with season one cody at that point i was like oh they're they're putting a lot of trust into this new cody and he's
0: he's kind of letting us down now like we Uh, got (laughs) it was an acting choice It was an acting choice, because he does the same presentation later in the episode, and it's fine. They were trying to show that, like, he wasn't wasn't confident in what he was doing, and he didn't really want to be doing it at that particular moment, and that mostly Rita's mom is, like, driving them crazy.
1: What grade is
2: he supposed to be in? Isn't he, like, seven, right?
0: So he'd be, like, a second grader, first grader, something like that?
2: Probably
3: That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't doing uh, projects like that when I was his age. Like, I barely knew anything outside of Kansas at that point. So, <laughs> you know, good on them for making them look up what Saudi Arabia is, because I had no <laughs> idea at that age. That <laughs> <laughs> still
2: anyway. wasn't good enough for Grandma. It's, no. It was probably, a, like... A child actor
1: thing he actually had to do a project on Saudi Arabia for his tutor and they just worked it into the episode
0: Uh, Cody calls Dexter and asks him if he can come to see the report on Saudi Arabia he says he's scared of doing the presentation Rita's mom takes the phone from him and hangs up when she finds out that it's Dexter Uh, then Rita gets home her mom has put the kids to bed early as a punishment for Cody calling Dexter Rita tells her mom that she found out that she was actually fired from her teaching job over a year ago, and then Rita tells her to shut the fuck up, and she tells her mom to pack up and go home. She's not allowed to live with them anymore. Yeah, go Rita.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't Cody, like, hiding in a closet when he made that phone call?
0: He was like, I don't, yeah, he was either in a closet or, like, in, a, in his bedroom with the door closed because he was pretty close up to the door yeah and he might have been sitting so, in his closet
1: yeah but that that should tell you everything you need to know about this woman she needed to go and i was so happy that rita just let her have it
2: that's a great scene with julie bench she, she i like seeing rita tell her mom to fuck off i've been looking forward to that
1: even then her mom tried to ruin it by like yeah you tell me where to mm-hmm. go just like trying to take that power away and I was like no no push her out of the house just like <laughs> lay hands on her man Right?
0: <laughs> yeah she tried to act like she had like it was a victory mm-hmm. that she had finally gotten ready to come around and if, if that's the
1: sacrifice I have to make I think is where, <sighs> how she ended it gosh she's you know what alright She's Is also she the worst.
3: Okay. the worst? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, gu- was going to say, can I defend her for a second?
2: <laughs> you can't defend her. Now, so I get we- why you're defending Lila. It's a little clouded, but... Go ahead. I
3: was
0: going
3: to say, I, I was a teacher for a short while. And you know what? Those kids do need a little discipline, okay? Because kids are just too rowdy these days. And, I mean, you know, her mom's got a point. They they just seem to be more focused. There's there's too many cartoons and things for them to enjoy. You know, uh, I'm just saying, she had somewhat of a point.
1: Had had Rita not come home when she did, the metal hangers were about to come out. (laughs) Like, it Uh it was about to go bad.
0: Yeah. Take Rita's mom and Lila... And Miami Metro and just burn them all down. They're all the worst, and the fire department would never figure out what happened.
2: (laughs) Because they're also the worst.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Dexter does show up at Cody's presentation and gives him a pep talk. Cody does his lines much better now, as opposed to when he was with Rita's mom when he was doing his old Cody impression. Dexter screens a call from Lila Rita casts a few smiles his way as he waves to Cody and makes faces at Aster so um, generally yeah I mean this was a good showing for Rita's character actually standing up for herself Uh, I know in earlier episodes when I mean before they had broken up obviously but when Dexter was around we were talking about how we really wanted to see Dexter do something to get rid of her, like some kind of Paul-style manipulation on his part, but it's great that it's Rita herself who comes around and kicks her mom out of the house.
3: Yeah, I would like seeing Rita stick up for herself and be assertive, and I mean, in terms of character development from season one to season two, I really feel like hers is going in such a great direction. Uh, you know like she's she's like handling her life she's handling her children and then finally she handles her mother's situation she handles the, I mean, the Dexter situation she could use a little work with but you know he's also not helping her with that situation at all but I think all in all like her character development's been really super solid this season
0: yeah and it's interesting too uh, in you know From a storytelling perspective, we've mostly seen Rita through Dexter. Um, It's almost always been exclusively her interactions with Dexter. Like, there was the one plot line where uh, something was going on at her work or she had a friend who needed help or whatever that she was a little bit more... There were more scenes of her without him doing things. Um, But I think they're finally starting to give... Rita a little bit more screen time that isn't just Dexter's girlfriend. It's Rita. There's an actual character there instead of just a accessory for Dexter.
2: Yeah, she's definitely becoming a lot more three dimensional, a lot more interesting. Whereas first season, it was very much you know there wasn't a lot of layers uh, going on. It was just sweet Rita. Even though little things would come up, it was still very sweet Rita. But we're seeing these different levels to the character now.
0: Um. So. Let's talk about the, uh, the the very small amount of progress they make on the Bay Harbor Butcher uh, this episode. At Miami Metro, Angel tells Dexter that they have received a manifesto from the Bay Harbor Butcher with victims they didn't know about before. It turns out that Dexter sent the manifesto to take control of the investigation. And this is one of the things I hate when a show or a movie or something does this is. Dexter, the character that we connect to the show through, knows something we don't know and has set something up that we don't know about and he just sort of tells the audience, you know, by the way that was me, I'm the guy that sent the manifesto.
1: Well I'm right, he didn't even say it right here it's not till later when they talk about what's in the manifesto and he's like, I don't know what I, where I got half of this stuff while I was writing it, I think that's that's when they finally realized he. No,
0: it's immediately. He says it like in his head, like uh, you know, yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> I
2: guess I miss that. So. Well it was really subtle the way he said it. You know, I mean, it would be easy to miss if you weren't fully paying attention right. to the episode or whatever. Cause, so I can see how you would miss it. It was very played, very low key. So I agree with you, Dale. I don't like the way they introed that either.
0: No, I mean, it would have, it, to, for me, it makes more sense for him as a character. Like, let's show how smart he is. Like, show him, you know, sitting at his computer and copying and pasting a bunch of different books and things together uh, rather than, you know, for like 10 seconds, we're like, oh, Miami Metro has a lead. That's weird. Like, Dexter is the Bay Area Butcher. How'd they get a manifesto? Maybe it's a copycat or something, and he's immediately like, "No, we just didn't tell you. I, I made this." Well,
1: and and this also presents another problem, more of a timeline sort. It's supposedly a pretty hefty manifesto. Um, when did he have time to put this together? Yeah. Like, if if Lila's not breathing down his neck before that it was Rita and Deb lives with him yeah did he write it at work that would have been wonderful
0: yeah it
2: was just lazy writing and I'm sure it was a time issue as well of course that always has to be taken into consideration but it's just lazy
1: it's probably printed on Miami Metro (laughs) 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 it's got a watermark on it and they, they just never piece it together
0: he, he left the original inside the copy machine. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: boss yeah. finds it. Whose is this? Uh, That's mine. Soft okay, soft here you go. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right. But next time, okay, pal?
0: <laughs> Trying to save money on the copier, okay? No more personal projects. Uh,. Lundy holds a briefing about the Manifesto. Angel has, like, already read it cover to cover and has found a number of literary references in it. And then... uh, Angel is comparing notes on the Manifesto with Dexter, and it turns out that the Manifesto has no rhyme or reason. And then finally, uh, Masuka, Angel, and the rest of the task force are competing for which profile the manifesto should fit and they can't agree on in the profile and Lundy figures out that it's a ruse to make them chase their tails and he writes law enforcement background on the whiteboard
1: because once again Lundy is the only competent person that that is in this building I want to go back to a scene when Batista finds the literary references yeah and they have that little uh, Star Trek thing. <laughs> it's from Star Trek. No, Mark Twain wasn't in Star Trek. He was in Next Generation. I'm like, oh my god.
0: <laughs> yeah, they thought they were being... Yeah, true. <laughs> they thought they were being cute with the writing there.
1: Oh, man.
0: Because At first, it sounded like they didn't know who Mark Twain was, but then it was... <laughs> Which Star Trek series did Mark Twain appear in? Because he is in The Next Generation. as like some kind of holodeck yeah. thing. It's like, no, it was actually Mark Twain who said this, not Mark Twain on The Next Generation that said this. So, uh, yeah, good old Miami Metro just nailing it again. So good. But I love that Dexter or that uh, Angel's already read the thing cover to cover, because you know he's got nothing going on in his life. <laughs> or are we back to stuff? Well, we haven't checked in with him in like three episodes now, so apparently you know,
2: nothing has changed. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's what they said. They were
3: like, "How do you know all these literary references?" And he's just like, "Cause I read." And like, "Oh yeah, don't
0: don't be into the stereotype that he doesn't know how to read." <laughs> He's been doing nothing else since the last time we saw him. He's read, like, every book in the library.
2: Taking, like, l- classic literature classes yeah. to fill the time.
0: Trying to find a new girlfriend. But then he still and talks he starts- about his ex.
2: <laughs> exactly, and Neil and Diamond. Then leaps with a hooker.
0: <laughs> yeah, and-, and Neil Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I feel like ba- Batista reads as much as Mizuko watches porn.
1: Hmm. Nobody has that That's... amount of time.
2: How do they find time to work?
1: <laughs> yeah. they, don't. they don't. They don't, yeah. It's, it's Miami, Miami Metro.
2: Metro. Okay.
0: There's a lot of bathroom breaks involved. <laughs> Lots of raining like on one side. He would
2: have class to go to the bathroom. Yeah. he just stay at his desk.
0: <laughs> yeah. He can explain all that Gmail stuff. <laughs> What he told Lundy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm not making it up. Um, so then there's the uh, the Dexter and Dokes plot line here. Uh, Dokes is at a crime scene where a woman sunbathing next to a pool was beaten to death. LaGuardia warns him about leaving Dexter alone. Uh, Camilla, the records lady, who I guess isn't always the records lady now, shows up and. Tells Dexter that Dokes came looking for the file that she destroyed. She's worried that if Dokes figures this out like Dexter did, that she'll be in trouble and Dexter promises to protect her.
1: She had that wonderful cop, you know, um, just a year from
0: retirement.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, her scene opens with her asking about donuts.
0: Yeah, did she? I, did, I didn't notice that this time.
2: Yeah, because um, she asked, she said something, oh, she said, you don't bring me donuts, and then oh. he, he had uh, one of the worst lines of the episode, I thought, he followed up with, you don't sing me love songs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Song song blue. <laughs> uh, Dexter lies to Dokes and tells him that the mist is consistent with bludgeoning versus something else. We hear Dexter answering truthfully in his mind and then saying the opposite to Doakes. So he's leading him into trouble. And then Doke's has been holding the suspect for too long. LaGuerta isn't so sure and asks to see the blood report when it's done. Dexter arrives and silently enjoys the task force pouring over his manifesto. And then Dexter lies to LaGuerta that he told Doakes the suspect was innocent. He also planted his report on Doakes' desk. LaGuardia releases the suspect Dokes figures out immediately that Dexter set him up and LaGuardia thinks he's being paranoid. Dexter watches them have that conversation on the CCTV because they have it in the interrogation room. Yeah, it's is...
3: I mean in terms of Dexter's ability to manipulate, we finally see him on the offensive which is also interesting in comparison to Lila's ability to manipulate. Like He's kind of always, I guess, been good at manipulation. But is he getting better because of her manipulation? Like, what do you? Does anybody think that like there's a connection there at all? Oh
2: yeah, I I blame Lila.
1: <laughs> I I think it's less that he's getting better at it. He just has, because of her influence, he's more willing to take the risk than he was previously.
0: Yeah, I go along with that because he's. He's pretty good at um, at inventing forensic evidence to, to do things. We saw him invent forensic evidence at that uh, that like junkyard, and we saw him set up Paul successfully. So these are things that he can do, um, but he hasn't actually. Gone after Dokes this way or been, been aggressive towards Dokes this way yet.
2: And I do think that's a, a Lila influence. I do. And I also think him framing the the stepfather, which granted he did, you know, clear him eventually, but I think that's something pre Lila Dexter never would have done. I feel like that's very out of his character line.
0: Yeah, she, she kind of gives him, uh, she kind of makes him more of a risk taker. Good uh, and bad. Yeah because that's what she's all about like all of her everything she does is risky uh, insane stuff you know driving around stealing things for her artwork and smashing light bulbs and she's she does not think things through but she still manages to get her way a lot so well
2: and for him being a killer because he is a killer he he did have a moral compass and it's kind of compromised a little bit because of Lila's influence Mm mhm as strange as it is to say, a serial killer has a moral compass, but he does. He has his moral compass, he has his code, and him setting up the stepfather is something that the old Dexter never would have done. Sure. But just like with him coming, you know, straight to Rita and telling her that he slept with Lila.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, he He is honest he, for, with people that he cares about, even if it doesn't go well for him. You know, and he knows it's not going to go well for him. He knows like, he knew that Rita wasn't gonna stand up for that. Uh, the, the whole him sleeping with Lila thing. But uh, this leads to the ultimate confrontation, Doakes versus Dexter. Uh, Doakes is hanging out in Dexter's lab. He says, you're finally fighting back. It's about time. And Dexter says, I'll always be ahead of you for one simple reason. I own you. Dexter headbutts Doakes, which causes Doakes to retaliate, but the retaliation happens publicly, and it makes it look like he attacks Dexter out of nowhere. Dexter acts scared and doesn't fight back, and look where it's puts Stokes on administrative leave and takes his badge, gun, and access card. So, score one for Dexter.
2: Great scene. I mean, I just love how Dexter is standing up to Dokes and is, he's just done. And just seeing him kind of, you know, have enough and really go. Uh, Full manipulation with dokes is awesome These,
0: for him to go from realizing that dokes was like invading his space and listening to the tape of him uh, of harry and uh laura moser where you think it, where it like clearly looks like dokes has the upper hand to him attacking dokes and then being smart enough to walk out and let dokes just go crazy on him it's like brilliant
2: yeah, I love it. That's such a, a genius cat-and-mouse kind of kind of move on, on Dexter's part. Or Doakes thinks that Dexter's the mouse, but guess what? He's not.
3: Yeah. What I also think is interesting is that I don't even know if Doakes still really knows what he's looking for. He's just looking for something, but he doesn't quite know what Dexter is or what Dexter's capable of. Like, obviously, he knows he's good at hand-to-hand combat because they've had an interaction before from the previous season. Um, he knows he's being secretive. Like, there's all these little, these little moments, the you know, and tracking him down and everything, but, like, he never really truly lo- knows what he's looking for, right?
2: Which is great because that's why he has no chill because he can't stand not knowing, and he, it's making him crazy because he's always been the top cop. And now he can't figure out this guy who... He's the only one who has Dexter on his radar.
1: Do you think he would have done this... At least uh, so quickly... If Camille hadn't come to him... About dokes looking, in, looking into those old files? Because I really think this precipitated this scene completely. Yeah. Uh, because it looked like he had kind of a longer con of... of making dokes without ruining dokes' life basically ruining his credibility and then the talk with Camille kind of forced his hand and he reacted physically
0: yeah I think his uh, his decision about when to complain because he had been you know it's it's been since the end of last season that dokes has been following him um, we saw that at the end of season one that dokes is like parked outside his house because he knows there's something up with him and uh, he gets that opportunity to get dokes into trouble or get you know mess with him in some way at that murder scene by lying to him but then the whole escalating it to a physical confrontation and getting dokes thrown out yeah I think that's completely about He's getting too close to finding out who Dexter's really, you know, who his parents really were and what actually happened there, because then that could lead him to finding out that the ice truck killer was Dexter's brother, and that's sort of the ultimate secret that he doesn't want known.
2: Yeah, that's Dexter's secret. I mean, all of this is Dexter's secret. He likes having it as his own secret, and he feels like anybody, I think, other than the little bit he's told Lila, but I think... He feels like his secrecy is is under threat.
0: So Lundy is listening to some smooth jazz and scanning the murder board. Deb comes in to turn in some work she's finished. Lundy is trying to find the right music for this and decides that Chopin is perfect. Deb says she thrives on chaos. Lundy turns the music up. Deb says, "Well, this is good too." Dexter thinks he can rule out the man who found the body, but sees misting on the shirt. I don't know why I put that in there, but I did. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Um, Deb's boyfriend is trying to tell her a story, but she's listening to Chopin on her iPod and having some kind of sensual run, uh, which is just hilarious. Like they're playing the piano music and you're looking at it just from her point of view and she's just (laughs) kind of like, running and loving her music. The task force takes a break for lunch. Lundy pulls out his cucumber and cream cheese sandwich, and Deb tells Lundy about the trouble she's having with Dexter and her boyfriend. Lundy immediately knows it's because she's been listening to Chopin.
2: I love Lundy, but come on. (laughs) Really? I know he's really perceptive. Great, he's a really impressive agent, but really?
1: When Chopin hits that sick (laughs) bass line, just fights break out. You don't understand. A little
2: much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he says something like, you know, that's one of the side effects of Chopin. This kind of thing can happen. Like, oh, brother. Uh, Deb's boyfriend wants to make the sex, but she's all hopped up on Chopin and wants to break up. And among the reasons that Deb gives, she repeats, Lundy's truth comes from a peaceful place line. Grown. So she breaks up with a perfectly nice guy that she's going to see at the gym all the time who's, I don't know, like age-appropriate and writes children's books, and instead she's going to go for her uncle. <coughs> uncle Country Frank. Frank.
2: She does have some daddy issues, let's be real. <laughs> Country Kitchen yeah. Buffet
1: and that AARP discount, man. It's important. <laughs>
3: I view Lundy as sort of like the head of a cult where it's like <laughs> Deb was going in one direction then she meets Osho let's just say from like the from like Osho <laughs> and and she's all yeah. of a sudden she's like saying things that he's saying and and listening to things that he's listening to and doing things that he's doing and then she wants to sleep with him and it's just like oh yeah he's a cult leader <laughs> like through and through he's, he's an FBI agent but he could run his own cult he could have all these young women just eating out of his hands uh, probably crackers I guess saltines or something but um,
2: cucumber know. sandwiches
0: <laughs> yeah cucumber sandwiches cream cheese and cucumbers um, I
2: probably would join the Lundy cult I admit I'd be right, right in there for the Lundy cult
0: go get some land out in Oregon and buy up the town next door Mm-hmm. Look, this
1: just makes sense to me
0: I, I don't know I, I know the OSHA thing <laughs> I watched that documentary not too long ago yeah um, so then it ends up with uh, Lundy and Deb meet with the press to negotiate how to publish the manifesto itself Lundy and the press uh, agree to remove the victims names and push the story to page 3 which I don't know why they would agree to do that but they do Um, I guess, again, it's Lundy's Lundy's, uh, cult-like power. Maybe played some Chopin for him in the room. Then Deb leads Lundy to a bench outside. It's a nice, quiet spot. It's 1 o'clock. Deb tells Lundy that when it gets quiet, she gets scared, but that she wants to practice while he's around. She feels that she can face anything when she's with him. Lundy starts to list all of his old man symptoms, and Deb kisses him. And then he comes back with and halitosis,
3: yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> I couldn't watch the kissing scene, I had to look away. it was really uncomfortable and awkward i just couldn't I couldn't watch it, I couldn't do it.
0: She had to get in there before the sandwich was going <laughs> I just
2: looked away I don't know i had I looked away I don't know why I just couldn't watch it
1: Lundy is. Super convincing on everything. It goes back to that cult leader thing. You know that he was when the camera uh, cut to the scene outside. He finished talking to them with like this little like thing that spun, and they looked at it, and he was just like, "You will move it to the third, the third page. You will remove all these things." And just he brainwashed them, is what it was.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think possibly the reason is that they're about 30 years apart mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a problem
2: yeah it's just it's, 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 it's clearly daddy issues in this case
0: yeah it's not Lila problem bad but it's it's still a Lundy problem
2: and I love Lundy so this is so disappointing
0: <laughs> you know I think
3: if they uh, if they ask anybody Masuka would probably be into it
0: Sort of a, <laughs> it's sort of a fetish Masuka for him. film it.
1: <laughs> There's always an audience.
0: Yeah. Masuka can sell it to his, his girlfriend from the strip club or wherever they were <laughs> on that episode where he had the Masuka female version. So, yeah, so that is the episode. Uh, It was directed by Jerry Padaswa, uh, who directed The Five Senses in 1999 and Fugitive Pieces in 2007. Uh, The Five Senses won two Genie Awards in 2000 for Best Director and Best Picture. For Dexter, this is his only episode, and after Dexter, he's directed several episodes of Game of Thrones, including an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Director in a Drama Series for one of those episodes. This was written by Daniel Cerrone, who used to write for Charmed. He was the executive producer on the first two seasons of Dexter, wrote six episodes total, including Popping Cherry and Circle of Friends back in season one. Um, He's the one that, when you see him in interviews from these first two seasons, he seems to know the most about the overall story. Um, So after he leaves in season two, some things change because... Um, I, you know he's not quite as involved anymore, and after uh Dexter he wrote an executive produced on the blacklist and Constantine so uh what would be the uh, best line of the episode?
1: My favorite line of the episode is when LaGuardia and dokes are talking uh she says something about him smiling and he said bullshit I'd never smiled
3: yeah I just love that ep- <laughs> love that. Uh, I'm going with uh, pardon my tits
2: I somehow knew that was going to be your choice somehow I
0: suspected (laughs) I
2: struggled finding a best line though I didn't think there were any really good lines I went with are you trying to fuck her or set her on fire that was the best I could
0: yeah that's pretty good Uh, what about worst line of the episode Uh, equally another Lila line uh, look I'm some old bitch Yeah.
2: (laughs) yep same uh, Deb saying uh,
1: something comes from a peaceful place. That that Lundy recitation
0: while she's breaking up with the other guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, such a bad line.
0: And then uh, performance of the episode slash non Michael C. All performance of the episode.
2: The art dealer for pretending that it was really worth that much money. She sold that pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. She sold that because that actor had to be thinking, "Are you kidding me?"
0: Yeah, she was so excited about that. Yeah,
2: that took some real talent. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, I'm gonna bring it full circle and say Lila's tits. Great, what? great performance this episode. Lila's I mean, they tits. were
0: just
3: yeah, they were just they were very camera ready. Uh, they got a lot of exposure. I think that they were uh, pretty much perfect in every shot.
0: So she really brought both of her talents to bear in this episode. They Absolutely, one
2: hundred percent. See what you did there. <laughs>
1: Don't worry, I'll, I'll give my things. All <laughs>
0: right, we'll see you again. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that is it for season two, episode seven. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks, you guys, for uh, doing the podcast with me. And we'll see you on the next deeply disgusting next